Hi, and welcome to The Queers Are Watching. I'm Hannah. And I'm Sarah. And today we're going to be talking about a movie that came out about a year ago. You may have heard of it. It got some hype. It got some unhype. Everyone's heard of it. Let's just be clear. <laughs> okay. So we're going to be talking about Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings, so I'm not cheering for Long, it. Long, awkward silence. Um... <laughs> You can leave that long, <laughs> awkward silence in there. That's what it deserves. So, I feel like a lot of our episodes are, like, relatively lighthearted, which is funny because we do watch a lot of sad movies, but <laughs> I think this one might be a little less lighthearted. So, strap in for that. Um, this movie is definitely triggering for some people, so our discussion is likely going to be triggering at times. So, use your own discretion. We trust you to use your judgment. Um, I guess I'll do what I always do, and I'll give you the rundown. Um, so Call Me By Your Name is a 2017 film. It's rated R, uh, two hours and 12 minutes. It's based on a book by Andre Asimov? Aikman? I have no idea how to pronounce this guy's name. Um, it's directed by Luca Guadagino and written by James Ivory. Uh, it has an 8 out of 10 on IMDb, a 93% on Metacritic. A 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Its box office was weird in the US when I was doing some research on it because it got released like slowly. It didn't have like, like the official date, like where it came out nationwide, was like nine weeks after its first appearance in the US. So, like for the first week, it was like $281,000, and then it was like $291,000, and it like went up and up and up. And then ultimately, by the time it hit its ninth week. It was 1.4 million, which they thought was underperformance in comparison to its peers in the box office, which I think is stupid because it had already been out for nine weeks by then. Yeah, sometimes it's kind of hard to quantify these like indie type films that get released at tiny theaters or like. It was only in like screenings. five theaters, yeah. like when it first came out. I don't know. I think two hundred eighty-one thousand dollars in its very first five week or five theater week is pretty cool. Um, the cast is, I'm going to butcher everyone's name, um, so I'm only going to say the two main characters. Timothy Chalmay, I think that's how you pronounce his name, as Elio Perlman and Army Hammer as Oliver. And it is uh, set in Italy in 1983. A teenage boy falls in love with his father's graduate assistant. That's just a pretty apt description of it. Um, a lot goes on, but can't really get into that without explaining the rest of it. It was nominated for... Um, a few Oscars, Best Picture, Best Actor for Timothy Chalmay, um, Best Original Song, and Best Adapted Screenplay, which it actually won for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, but it got snubbed for all the other ones, which people were pretty upset about on the internet, as I was finding out. Yeah, people were upset about it, but I also feel the need to point out that, um, this, I don't know how updated this article was, but there's an article that tracks all of the straight and presumed straight actors and actresses that have won Oscars for playing um, LGBT characters, and it's up in the 50s. So mm -hmm. pretty much if you're a straight actor and you play a gay person, like, they're, they're just handing out Oscars right and left. So I don't know that this was, like, a terrible loss or anything. <laughs> Um, and I'm saying presumed straight because I actually couldn't find anything particular on the orientations of those actors. They're not, they're not visibly out that I could find. So yeah. who knows? I don't, nobody knows. 
And I think this is Army Hammer's like third gay character or something like that. So he's played gay before, but I don't know about Timothy Chalamet. He's so new. He's so young. I forgot to uh, look up that guy's name. He reminds me of the guy from Bates Motel. Uh, a little, yeah, but I think he's a lot more attractive. I don't know what it is. I think it's because he looks emaciated, and I love when guys look like they're on heroin, so. <laughs> We're just diving right in to our personal problems. I'll get to my personal problems later. Um, oh my god, okay. Sarah has a theory on why I really liked this movie, and I'm pretty sure it's gonna be related to my personal problems, so we'll nah, see. Nah, it's, it's a theory of why anyone really likes this movie. It's not just you. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna really... Really no, I'm not just... going to go in on you. I'm just going in on everything about this movie. Okay, that's fair. Um, so, as I said up front, from the top, I did not like this movie. Like, I feel like it was very pretty, and I feel like it was very touching, and it was very sad, and I did cry, but that doesn't, like, make a good movie for me. So I was pretty creeped out by the age difference, and a lot of people online are like oh, you're full of shit, like, it's not a big deal, Age of Consent is 17, it was 1983, in the book it was 1987, and we'll talk about that later, because there's some relevance there, but I did, like, if it was just, like, that happened to be their ages, then I guess I would have been able to, like, suspend that part of my brain, but the entire movie is built around playing up the age difference, like, constantly. They show Elio, like, shaving his prepubescent mustache, and... He carries this little kid, brightly colored backpack everywhere they go. Like, he looks like a tiny little 12-year-old dork. And this guy is like this big, hunking, masculine man. And they did that on purpose because... Yeah, they really played it up. Like, Army Hammer is 31, and he's playing a 24-year-old. And Timothy Chalamet is 21, playing a 17-year-old. So there's literally a 10-year difference between the actors themselves. But it's super creepy. Like, I just, I couldn't suspend it. Like, it was just too much for me. Yeah, I I definitely, like, when I looked at the actors' ages, like, then you can tell that that was a conscious choice to really play up the age difference. Because I think part of the problem is um, Timothy Chalamet, is that what we're saying? That's what we're saying, I guess. Okay. Um, Sorry, Timothy. He he looks <laughs> like Timote, a, a little <laughs> little kid. He looks like a little kid. He Let's does. just say it. He does not look like he's 22 at all oh, in any way, shape, or form. at all, no. And he's, like, so skinny. Like, <laughs> he's skinny and sad looking and pathetic. And it just, like, yeah. it really adds to that. And they were definitely playing that up throughout the whole movie. That did make me uncomfortable. So I think it was less about the storyline itself and the way it was more about the way that they chose to portray it. That kind of yeah. did get under my skin a little bit. Definitely. Like, I can definitely say that. Like, if... It had just been, like, that was the story that I could have maybe, like, looked past it. But, no. It was really creepy. Something else that I wanted to mention just really quick. I don't know how this is going to play into our conversation at all. But I read a little bit about the novel. And apparently it takes place over a much longer period of time. What we see in the movie is only, like, the first, like, half of the book. And then the rest of the book is, like... When they meet up again a year later, when they meet up again 15 years later, and they meet up again like 20 years later, and it's just like... They have talked about doing a sequel. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. I don't... I've heard... The, the thing that I heard about the book is that it's really dark, and it's more about their obsession with each other, not so much as like... It's not painted as a love story. 
I just, I don't like anything that kind of portrays love for teenagers in an obsessive and compulsive way. And that's literally all this movie is about. Like, it's literally called Call Me By Your Name. And that's because they are so obsessed with each other. They, like, want to be each other. Like, that's the whole purpose of it. It's so creepy. They're just, like, feeding each other's egos, like, back and forth forever. And it just, for me, like, it it gave me, like, secondhand embarrassment. Because it wasn't like, oh, this is such an honest story. It was like, oh, that's so disgusting. That's something I would do when I was 15 and thought I was in love. But that makes it honest, though. Oh, it's gross. For me. like yeah, disgusting. It's it's gross and honest. And I think... I don't know, like, that kind of... And that, to me, says a lot about someone's character when they're 24. Like, I would have never done that when I was 24. That's fucking weird. Like, something's wrong with that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, clearly there's quite a few things wrong with that guy. He has some issues. That we don't even find out about until the end of the movie, which I think is so shitty for characterization. Like, it's so bad. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. (laughs) Because there's some background shit that I want to get into before we continue on with the plot stuff okay go 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 okay so we did you know as we do before we started recording we of course started talking because we can't stop ourselves <laughs> from starting to talk what before we recorded <laughs> well what are we supposed to do sit here in silence and not say anything to each other i mean maybe or like talk about something else but we can't do that it's impossible so no, i had a lot to say <laughs> i had said something about how the author of the book said that he wouldn't have been able to conceive of this storyline or this book if he wasn't Jewish. So apparently Jewishness is like even more important to the author than it is in the movie. And in the movie, it's a pretty big thing. I thought in the movie it was like, it was weird because it was kind of like a, I don't know, like some sort of red herring. It was just like, Jewishness is so important, but they never said why. It's because it's a metaphor for being closeted, which I think is an interesting choice. But the whole point is that um, Elio doesn't wear his Star of David necklace and he sees um, Oliver wearing it mm-hmm. and he wants to be like Oliver. He wants to be carefree and he wants to like be comfortable in his sexuality the way that Oliver is. And so he like tries to mimic him. So he ends up wearing his Star of David necklace too. And then also I was like looking into this because in the movie he, he says like quote, we're Jews of discretion, which I thought was really funny. Um <laughs> But then I started thinking about, like, gee, I don't really know that much about the climate in Italy for Jews in the 80s. That was my other question. Like, it's 1983. Like, what is the climate for Jewish people in Italy? And also, like, they're American. Like... Right. Yeah. So, I did some research on this. I'm going to say up front, I'm not a historian by any means. (laughs) Especially because, and I tell this to everyone that I meet. Um, that's an exaggeration, but I tell this to a lot of people. (laughs) I have a master's degree and I only had to take one quote unquote history class in my entire college career. And it wasn't even a history class. It was a (laughs) like modern politics class. And that's the amount of education that was required for me in that area. And yes, I wasn't going into anything that like theoretically would require a lot of history knowledge. But then again, as a writer, you would want to know things. And sometimes I end up doing research and I'm like, I cannot believe that I was never forced to learn this and I have a master's degree. It's kind of horrifying. I'm not sure what the solution is because I don't want to be like, make everyone take more classes because that's mean. (laughs) But also, like, I can't believe 
that I don't know anything about history. My university has the best solution to that. They make you take a class that synthesizes what your major is with other things that you would never study. So, like, you get both credits. It's, like, double credits. That's cool. So you don't, like, add a class. You're just making one of your major classes relevant to something else. Makes you a more well-rounded student, supposedly. We d- see, we definitely had to do that, but you didn't have to do one for history specifically. You could do anything. I think it's in humanities that, mm-hmm. like, that would fall under. I don't remember what it's called, so. Yeah. But anyway, so I did some mild research, um, some light research. Research light. <laughs> um, I am woefully uninformed about conflict in the Middle East. We know that there's been conflict in the Middle East for a long-ass time. I'm not for as sh- long as there's been a Middle East. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what this particular conflict was. Italy was closely tied to a lot of this conflict in some way. Again, didn't get that far into the research. I went down like a very shallow rabbit hole. <laughs> um, and there was a lot of political unrest in the 70s in Italy. And there was anti-Semitic propaganda going around about, you know, like how Jews are ruining Italy or whatever. And some of that was left over from like fascist Italy, like Mussolini times. They were like BFFs with Nazi Germany. It was a whole thing. Yikes. So there was some like leftover propaganda going on. Also in 1982, so the year before this movie takes place, mm-hmm. um, in Rome, the Great Synagogue was attacked by Palestinian terrorists. Um, they threw hand grenades and used machine guns and wounded 40 people that were in the synagogue and killed a two-year-old. Yikes. Um, and no group really took responsibility for the attack. So, you know, you can't really be sure what exactly the purpose of the attack was. One can only assume that it was something to do with Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, this is not me endorsing Israel. This is me saying I don't think it would make me feel very safe as a Jewish person to know that people were going to synagogues and attacking them, which is very apropos right now, I suppose. So I think all of that being said, uh, the climate in Italy at the time of this movie wasn't, it was worse than what I would have thought for Jewish people. That's fair. I will say that the book does not take place at the same time as the movie does. The book takes place in 1987. Okay. So if he's just adapting it, he probably just took whatever it was and then just switched the year. And he said that he switched the year because it made him feel like that was a time where all the 70s was washed away from Italy. And it was like, no more 70s, only 80s. And like, that's what he wanted. Um, He also like changed location. Like the original location in the book, he said, was too remote, too deserted, too empty. And it was boring. Um, and he just so happened to pick, like, where he lives. <laughs> hmm. And then what really bothers me about that is that all of the shots that he did are, like, it's it's basically, like, the whole movie is just photography. Like, he made the movie with stills in mind. Everything looks like a postcard. And to me, that's not film. That's not a movie. You're just making pretty pictures. I liked it. And I I'm mean, it's very pretty, <laughs> but that's not a movie. It's neither here nor there. Like, if you give me a bunch of the stills, I would put them on my Tumblr. I might frame them in my house. Like, that's how pretty they are. But if you're, I'm watching a movie, it does nothing for narration. It doesn't make the movie itself a character, like the film itself. It just is kind of 
bland. And that really bothered me. So I don't think it got snubbed. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you. Because I don't think... I, I'm that person that I don't think something needs to be one way or another to fit into like what that art form is. I'm all about like genre bending and shit. And that's not to say that you're saying you're anti genre bending, but I think, I don't know. I watching it, I didn't have any issue with it being like photography. I actually liked it um, because it was pretty to look at. And I don't know if that makes me shallow, but I really enjoyed it. No, I agree. It was pretty to look at. I just felt the direction was a little too meticulous for me. It was sort of sterile. And it just, it created a complete lack of intimacy. And I think for me, when I'm watching a story, it needs to have, like, massive characterization. And this was, like, there was none. It was just two people and a postcard. And you were expected to have feelings about them at the end. Oh, that was not my experience at all. I was so fucking sucked into this movie. I was not invested in them at all. I was so sucked in. Like, I think that's partially why I liked it, because it made me fully forget my life and my whole existence for two hours or however long it was. That is so wild to me, because I was just like, okay. I don't know if it has anything to do with the environment in which I watched it, which was, like, in my room with the light really low and, like, headphones oh, and in. you're, like, by yourself. Oh, yeah. you had headphones in? I had headphones in, too. That changes things. Yeah. Um, um, I watched it at an outdoor screening that we do for our, um, the nonprofit we work for. Um, we just screen movies every now and again, and uh, we did that, and it was outdoors on our big blow-up screen, and it was, like, it was really dark, and we we're, like, surrounded by people, and I was sitting on a blanket, like snacking on some Cheetos or whatever but like I wasn't talking to people during the movie well I think it also like for me watching a movie with a bunch of like strangers or acquaintances around can be kind of awkward like especially a movie with such sexual content like I would probably be like not paying as much attention to the movie and you know really distracted by the fact that there are people everywhere I wasn't distracted by that to be fair like I was taking notes so people were probably distracted by me I had my, my phone set really, really low, but I didn't have a piece of paper. So I was, like, taking notes on my phone, and they were probably like, the girl in the front on the blanket, please stop pulling out your phone. <laughs> <laughs> they just get a megaphone, and they're like, stop, <laughs> Sarah, please put the phone away. Fucking leave. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, maybe because I was in my room with headphones and on, watching on my laptop, like, that might have been a little different. I can see what you mean about the meticulous direction, though, especially because I was watching... This movie on Amazon Prime, this is not a commercial for Amazon Prime. However, <laughs> when you're watching stuff, um, if you, like, move the mouse or pause it, if you're watching on, like, a fire stick or whatever, mm-hmm. they, these little, like, boxes come up and, like, tell you, like, fun facts about the movie. And, like, oftentimes during, like, a scene where you can tell that they were trying to go for something with the direction or the framing or anything, mm-hmm. like, it would say, like, why they did that and how many different shots they did and why That's they picked cool. that one. Yeah. So I think, like, that kind of gave me some insight as to why they were making those choices. But that also shows you that it was kind of meticulous and maybe overdone. I do, Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know when you say that a song is overproduced? That's how I felt about this movie. Okay. Okay. No. Yeah, I totally... Yeah, I can see that. That actually helps me a little bit understand where you're coming from. Are you going to share the fun fact that you sent me last night? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll share. Um, so... <laughs> it's my favorite fun fact, by the way. This, this came up... Also, this came up during, like, a really emotional scene. Um, 
so it was really funny. Like, I just moved the mouse because I was hoping, okay, there's a scene where they, they're traveling somewhere and they go to this beautiful waterfall. I already forgot what it's called, but it's like the tallest waterfall in Italy. And I was moving the mouse hoping that it would co- it would come up and tell me what waterfall it was. Mm-hmm. But instead, it came up with this fun fact that um, it was Army Hammer, right? Yeah. <laughs> he... He was wearing these really short shorts throughout most of the movie, and apparently his ball sack was just, like, hanging out and chilling in some of the shots, and they had to, like, edit them out afterwards, (laughs) like, just, so that's the funniest shit I've ever seen. And then, like, contrasted. All of their editing budget was used to get rid of his ball. They're like, ooh, we can't really afford that XYZ because we have to save some money to pay someone to go through this entire movie and edit out this actor's testicles. It's even funnier to me because Army Hammer almost passed on the movie because he didn't want to do nudity. Because when they first wrote it, the book has, like, full frontal nudity scenes. And, like, the author was like, you have to do that. It's part of them being gay men together. And that's one of the criticisms I saw a lot. Like, oh, they tried to, like, sterilize the gay relationship because they don't show them nude together. They show I'm them like they turn away a lot. There was so much disgusting sexual stuff in uh, this that's, movie. We can talk about that in a second. <laughs> but they were saying like there was no full frontal nudity so it's like terrible. Wow. Um, and then okay so the, the director was like oh that's not the vision I had at all for this movie so I never said it would be there and the author said no when we sat together for the first time he really considered it and then he said oh, no, I don't want to, after the meeting, not to the author's face. So there's a whole fucking gay man scandal behind that. I mean, clearly there's (laughs) some drama going on there. I don't know what happened, but I did also read that the director said, like, oh, no, I didn't want it to be like that. I didn't want the focus to be on, like, the pornographic element of it, which I beg to differ, sir, because there was some pretty wild shit in that movie that we'll get to again in a minute. If you've seen us, you already know exactly what we're talking about. (laughs) Do you want to just get into it? Okay, so yeah, let's just talk about, let's talk about the peach, the the peach or the apricot. I've seen people arguing online about what it is. He says it's a peach in the movie. Okay. He says like, they grow peaches here. They're amazing. And they constantly are eating peaches. But they're also doing the apricots too. Like, he's like, more apricot juice. You can't fuck an apricot. It's too small. Have you ever seen an apricot? Yes, (laughs) I agree. I agree that it's a peach. I saw people on the internet saying that it was an apricot and I was like, I don't know. But anyway, so he fucks a peach. Um, <laughs> so fucking casual. He, I want to read you what they said about it. He it's just so ejaculates into the peach, leaves it just chilling, <laughs> and then his little boyfriend comes over later. His big boyfriend, I should say. <laughs> um, <laughs> his big boy toy, as they say. I really thought he was going to eat that. I really He did. really was going to. I know he was. Until Elio cried. <laughs> I mean, that just shows you if your partner is getting a little too wild and you really need to put the brakes on a situation, just like burst into tears out of nowhere. For me, that was like the whole point of that scene was to show like his dominance over Elio. Like that's the whole reason why he did that. To be like, look at me, I have you. No, like one of the, one of the most uncomfortable lines of dialogue in the movie, there were many, but it was when... Elio, like, they're fighting over the peach because Elio doesn't want him to eat it because that's fucking gross. And he's like, please don't. And they're, like, fighting over it. And then Elio says, ow, you're hurting me. And then Oliver says, well, then stop fighting. Yeah. And it was the whole thing. I mean, there are many, many horrible things said. There are lots of moments like that. But that one in particular was like, ooh, yikes. True colors. Um, so I was wicking some stuff about it. 
And apparently the director and Timothy said that they thought it was implausible to masturbate with the peach. And so they were like thinking of scrapping it all together. But they both independently tested the method themselves and found that it was plausible. And so that's why they put it in there. Good to know. <laughs> I mean, I I thought it was very plausible. It's so small. Like, yeah. maybe an American genetically modified peach. <laughs> like, how small is your dick that, like, the peach looks like an apricot. Like, that's what I'll give those people, like, the benefit of the doubt. It was that small. Yeah. Like, like your little prepubescent dick fits in there? That's gross. It's all really gross. But there, like, that... That just added to, like, there were so many gross sounds in the movie, and part of it was because I had headphones in, it made it so much worse, but, like, I'm that person that gets really, like, creeped out by, like, wet sounds, it just, (laughs) and there was so much of that, and some of it was fine, but some of it was gross, and the peach stuff, I'm gonna pass on that. I was, okay, I was thinking of that in, um, like, in comparison to when we watched Disobedience. Like, the sounds in Disobedience were so amplified, and they were so relevant. I think in this case, it was just vulgar. Yes, it seemed it seemed just vulgar to me. So for all those people that were like, it wasn't vulgar enough for me, like, you need to watch it with headphones on, maybe. <laughs> also, that tells you how, like, visually oriented all those people are, that they're just mad that there was no full frontal, but like... Oh, they wanted to watch porn, is what it was. They were hoping they were gonna get their fix of, like baby and daddy porn today but they didn't so Ooh, sarah has a hot take on <laughs> why people like this movie um let me find my little note on that my apparently hot take is just that people ignore the age difference because of queer temporality because they were like both on the same exact queer journey at the same exact time but different ages so like army hammer was like experiencing or oliver whatever was experiencing <laughs> his queerness and experimenting with it much later because later you find out because his dad is like super homophobic and like he obviously never had the chance to do that kind of thing but like elio's parents are really like progressive yeah i mean early on in the movie he just like is fully like oh i almost had sex with my girlfriend last night like his dad's like why not (laughs) it was wild they were eating breakfast i was like bruh not at breakfast (laughs) yeah not in front of my eggs (laughs) Right in front of my eggs. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, like, I think that they were going through their queer journey. They were in the same area of their queer journey at different points in time in their lives. So I think often people are just like, that's fine. Like, he was really just experiencing his queerness, so that's okay. Um, but I think just developmentally and, like, his position as an older person who works for his father, it was just the power imbalance was too creepy i okay i agree i think the age difference itself and even the physical um emphasis on the age difference and size difference creeped me out less than the power imbalance because i agree like they're portrayed as being in completely different places actually so i don't know that the queer temporality thing even holds up um i love queer temporality i don't think that that's (laughs) it's one of my favorite it's not a good argument here i don't think and like okay We'll, we'll get this out of the way. At the time, in Italy, and I think it still is, the age of consent was 14. Yeah. I don't like this. I don't support it. 
I also don't know what the answer is to age of consent laws and the way that that works. And this is a tough conversation, I think, to have because the problem is it is arbitrary. It kind of is arbitrary because there's yeah. always going to be an 18-year-old that really shouldn't be making decisions. True. <laughs> and there's always going to be like a 16-year-old, 17-year-old that is technically mature enough to make decisions like that. Where do you draw the line? It's arbitrary. That doesn't mean it's okay to yeah, it's sleep not. with underage people. That's not what I'm saying. It's like, it's hard to like draw a hard and fast line in a area in which everyone is different. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's why the age difference itself did not bother me very much. But I do agree that the power imbalance was kind of wild because Oliver is portrayed as like very secure in himself. Mm-hmm. He's and, very aggressive, very cocky. And Elio is like, Poor sweet baby angel. He was so insecure mm-hmm. and like fragile and trying so hard to be like, I'm cool. He was not convincing at all. <laughs> oh, sweetie. Poor thing. And he his, was very awkward. He's yeah. teen, teen awkward years. And I don't know what his girlfriend saw in him. Like, <laughs> right? She was all obsessed with him. I was like, honey, he didn't even last. Like, <laughs> cool. yeah. I mean, I found parts of their relationship very sweet, I guess. Yeah. But I also hated her characterization. If there's one complaint I have about this movie, it's that they portrayed her as, like, this kind of dumb girl that's, like, really obsessed with him and doesn't know what's going on. And... I didn't like any of the portrayals of any of the women. Yeah. So, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, Particularly because, like, as gay men, they should be aware of the way they treat women, like, as other minorities themselves. But often, like, women are kind of just, like... Commodities. Yes. These background characters for these men to do with whatever they want to figure out their own journey. In the same way that, like, Elio was, you know, fucking his girlfriend and fucking his new boyfriend behind her back, basically. And then he was just gonna ghost her. (laughs) Like, not tell her. And Oliver was, like, hitting it off with some girl who thought she was really interested in him, but he wasn't interested in her at all. He was just playing her until he got to Elio. And then ultimately, like, he's marrying someone who's just a cover for his queerness. Yeah, and part of that is, like, I think because that was such a, like, throwaway line at the end of the movie. And I know that that's meant to be like, oh, you didn't know anything about his life. Wow. Like, it's supposed to be a punch in the gut. Yeah. But it didn't really come through for me because I wasn't sure what we're supposed to think about that. Are we supposed to think that he's a closeted homosexual man that is just getting with this girl to cover it up. Are we supposed to think that he was, because he said like, oh, we've been on and off for a couple years about the girl. So are Mm -hmm. we supposed to think that he really does have genuine feelings for her and he's just kind of an asshole for not saying anything to Alio about it? I, I, there's no real answer to that. And the, the director has said that if he did a sequel, he thinks that Elio himself would not be a full gay man. Whatever the fuck that means. Which is, like, another thing. Because he really did seem genuinely sexually interested in that other girl, Maritza. Is that her name? Mm. Maritza? Yeah. Something I like that. I just call her Marcy because someone called her that, like, one time in the Marcy. movie. So. Her name be Marcy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just... Like, it's very clear that he is also attracted to women. I agree, which I've seen... Okay, we'll, we'll get into this conversation now. The age-old question... Was the character actually bisexual? Was the character gay? What was the I think Elio is bisexual, but I think Oliver's gay. Okay, that's fair. 
I can see that. Because I saw a lot of people on the internet saying like, oh, Elio was so clearly uncomfortable when he was with Marcy. And I was like, what? No, he was just awkward because it was his first time having sex. And he was an awkward kid. (laughs) Like, he seemed pretty comfortable with her. I I think when he took her up to the attic and took her down the gross, dirty old mattress to fuck her, he was totally comfortable with her. Yeah. And I think people were arguing like, oh, he was just thinking about Oliver the whole time. I mean, maybe he was because he was obsessed with him, but yeah. that doesn't mean he wasn't attracted to her. Exactly. He was thinking, he might have been thinking about Oliver the whole time because he was infatuated. in love with him. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't buy that, that he wasn't no. attracted to Marcy at all. I don't buy that at all. I also really hated the scene in the end where, like, they just kind of threw it in there that he sees her in town and is like, hey, are we still friends? Like, it's pretty chill. And he's, like, heartbroken and crying. <laughs> She's not like, oh, you're heartbroken and crying for your right. new boyfriend. No, she's just portrayed as really stupid, I think. Yeah, she's really daft, I think. And she's really, like, so flat. She's so flat that, like, he would ghost her like that and she would be rightfully upset. And then, like, she sees him, like, a couple weeks later and is just like, oh, it's okay. It's no biggie. Like, <laughs> that's so, like, it's too convenient for, like, the resolution of the story. Like, that did not gel at all. I'm wondering if that's in the book at all. I Yeah, I don't know anything about that. We are going to have to read that and get back to y'all. Maybe in our next episode. We've established that we don't think that Marcy knew or picked up on anything, right? Yeah, I don't think she knew. Which is wild, because, like, clearly he's, like, in the car crying upset that his boyfriend <laughs> just, like, left forever. But she's just like, yeah. oh, he's probably sad about me. Ew. He's probably sad because he broke up with me. <laughs> I mean, she didn't do that. That's how I feel the betrayal was going. I don't yeah. know. So, that aside, I guess, I really liked the movie, but that that actually bothered me probably more than the age difference thing, <laughs> TBH. Can we talk about Elio's dad coming out to him, though? That was fucking wild, Okay. Yo. During that whole scene, I was fully sobbing. Like, I need... I was bawling my eyes out. I was really touched and I was really sad, but I didn't cry. And I wasn't... And it was before he even came out that I was fully bawling. Like How? Okay. (laughs) I'm gonna tell you a story. (laughs) Story time! (laughs) Okay. I don't know if I had mentioned this at all on... Like, when we talked about Love, Simon. Because we were talking kind of at length about, like parental relationships with their kids who come out or whatever and I have a very clear memory of after my girlfriend and I had just broken up I was 15 I was like as devastated if not more devastated than Elio was (laughs) like he was uh he seemed pretty chill sitting by the fire there honestly I mean like I was sad if I was in front of the fire I would have just fucking walked into it so (laughs) like well, he didn't suffer from depression, so mm. that might be... I forget that some people don't have that. How regular people. That's wild. <laughs> Can you imagine not wanting to throw yourself into a fireplace? Just to be clear, I'm not some fucking asshole ableist. I also have depression. <laughs> like, how normative people handle breakups are not the way that, you know, Hannah and I would probably handle a breakup. Mind blown. Anyway. I'm the kind of person that would be like, maybe I should just throw myself in front of a car then. <laughs> I mean, whatever's most convenient... <laughs> Whatever takes the least amount of energy. Am I right? Yeah. This shit got dark. Sorry, y'all. We warned you. Um, (laughs) So, I remember being, like, broken. Like, absolutely broken. And talking to my dad about it, because he had just found out. Like, he was like, why is my daughter suddenly, like, a suicidal lunatic? 
Um, where's this coming from? Which part of that is like him not fully being in tune with his teenage daughter, which I don't think a lot of dads are. Um, but some of it did probably seem like it was out of nowhere. So then he had to learn that I had been with this girl for like a year. But I remember him just being, he was really good in that moment. He was really good. And he, you know, tried to relate to me in that awkward dad way where like what they're saying really isn't the same but you know you're like I appreciate the effort he was like yeah one time I dated this girl and she broke up with me and it was really sad um so I appreciated the effort there um not the same but <laughs> <laughs> so I just like I think I'd like scenes where like a parent is being like supportive after a queer breakup like something just tugs directly on a particular heartstring for me so that is my personal issue. That is why I was crying like that. I mean, I definitely feel the same way, but for some reason this one, like, I really thought it was important to the film, and I thought it was very sad and very touching, but it wasn't enough to make me cry, and I think it's because I didn't care about any of the characters before this. Wow. Like, in Love, Simon, I was, like, full sobbing when his mom was like, I, yeah, I knew you were queer, and I didn't know what to say, and I just wanted you to have it on your own terms. I was like, she's the best mom ever, <laughs> like, sobbing. But, like, for this one, I was like, He's a good dad. Like, good for him. But I was like, I can't care about anyone but the dad right now. Like, that's it. Just the dad. <laughs> I think I was also, like, fully sobbing because of, like, the dialogue. Like, because like I said, I started crying before the dad even came out. Like, <laughs> I think part of it is, like, FYI, I am hopefully what I think is coming out of a severe depressive episode right now. So, like, the dad was saying, like, this is, this feels so terrible, but you can't turn it off and feel nothing because then you won't have felt like the joy either. And something about like the way he was saying that, I was just like, he's right. <laughs> so. I thought you had a movie tell you that. <laughs> I can't. Well, you know, sometimes you're, when you're really deep in there, you kind of forget that. You're like, no, this is the correct way to do things. I mean, that's always been my response to things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this bitch over here. Like, since I was eight years old. Like, my grandfather died, and I was like, what if I just forget who he is, and then I won't be sad anymore? An eight-year-old thinking that? That's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it, that, that got me. It was really sad. Yeah. But I didn't cry until Elio was crying in front of the fire by himself at the end, and I was like, this is so sad and depressing. I was like, I'm so sad for him right now. Like... We was all crying. <laughs> I Nobody warned me. Some people had warned me that this was a really sad movie, but I was hoping that it was just, like, sad for, like, a stupid reason, and that <laughs> at the end they would, like, magically get back together. Nobody told me it was this sad. Or, like, at least, like, someone would just, like, die or something, because that would be less sad. No, I'm so glad this is one <laughs> of the only queer movies I've ever watched where no, neither of them die, but that does bring up another thing I wanted to talk about. It doesn't talk about AIDS at all. And I think the book might. Well, okay. From what I read about the possible sequel, the sequel is going to have something to do with AIDS. <laughs> and, you know, we all have a guess of who's going to get AIDS. It's not going to be the shy, quiet, reserved one. No, it's going to be secret Oliver. <laughs> the the poss- Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't even want to think about that because that's just speculative. Like, my my problem is like that 
they don't talk about it at all, and that would be something they would be very aware of. They would be aware of grid. They would be aware of AIDS. And, like, I think as parents, they would know, particularly as educated parents, and they would be like, have you heard about gay cancer? You can't just go around fucking random gay guys. Like, part of... See, this is, again, where my limited knowledge of history is unfortunate because I'm wondering how much that was on people's radar in Europe versus in the United States. Well, they're from America. Yes. And they're, like, from America. Yeah. Like, they work there and stuff. So, like, it's not like they're from Italy and they're casual visitors or something. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, And the director himself said he picked the year... 1983 because he wanted them to be touched by things like the Reagan era Mm -hmm. and I think in 1987 that was when more people were dying from AIDS so like it was so they would have had to put that more in a movie probably if it had actually been in 87 yeah Yeah. well something I this is just like getting down to random comments but I have like a couple pages of notes so (laughs) we might as well do that Um, when there's, like, a scene when they're sitting down outside and eating, and, like, I guess it's the grandparents or, like, maybe an aunt and uncle. I wasn't clear on all the familial relationships. Mm -hmm. But they're, like, arguing about politics. And they're talking about, like, how people are too, like, blasé and they don't care enough. (laughs) And then she says, compromises are tragic. And that was, like, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Because, like, it's... It's, like, kind of true when you're Elio's age. Like, (laughs) compromising on something like love is, like, tragic. True. (laughs) But, like, also it could be, like, the film trying to tell you that if Elio stayed with Marcy, it would be a compromise and would be tragic. Which would then imply that he's actually gay and he doesn't like her. Yeah. So I'm not sure how I feel about that line in I mean, the context of the whole movie. Maybe it's just saying that he's not in love with her, but he's in love with Oliver. That's what I want to believe in my heart, but I know people are taking it a different way, which makes me, like, not even want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, like, I felt like it was a really, like, beautiful, realistic portrayal of your first love as a queer person. Like, everything about it was very, like, honest. The dialogue, the coloring, the tone. Um, it was really pretty. So I'm, I'm giving it that. Like, I'm giving it props where it deserves props. I just really loved that I forgot that I was a human being for, like, two hours. <laughs> Which, you know, maybe I'm not coming out of my depressive episode then? Not sure. Unclear. Um, <laughs> but I, I really like it when movies can do that. I like it when I'm watching a movie and I, like, can't even think about the real world anymore because I'm so immersed and so engaged with the characters and their story. And I'm sad for you, not in like a (laughs) condescending way, but I'm sad that that didn't happen for this movie, but it'll probably happen for other movies. I mean, it happens to me in a lot of other movies, so I'm not too sad about it. Okay. (laughs) Um, how did you feel about, (sighs) I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole. How did you feel about the portrayal of like intellectualism? And classism. (laughs) It was wild. Because, like, 
Elio's portrayed as very smart and precocious Mm -hmm. and even like a little bit of like a musical savant like kind Mm -hmm. of um which I thought was like an interesting like place where the movie didn't fully go like I kind of was like wondering how that was gonna tie in somewhere but maybe it was more just like an aspect of his character that they wanted to include not necessarily like something that would come back around at the end I don't know I think they included it because they wanted you to see why Oliver would find him attractive. Okay. Like, because otherwise he's just a child. But, like, because he is somewhat of a musical genius, because he speaks three languages, because he's just as educated as Oliver is without having that education, that makes him this, like, mature, like... Mature. Mature, knowledgeable person. Yeah, but I think... I think it was funny because, like... Elio, the the feeling that I got from Elio was that he thought that Oliver was so much smarter than him and that mm-hmm. he would never, ever be that smart, mm-hmm. which I think contributed to me feeling uncomfortable with their relationship because... Oh, definitely. Like, and I, I think that's the, the point of their obsessive relationship, that the other thinks the other one is so much better. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. You're um, welcome. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point yeah. of the call me by your name thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I know. They're they're wild. They're very creepy. They're getting wild, but also, like, that's such an honest, realistic portrayal of, like, when you first have a queer love, because you're just, like... Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I'm completed by this other person. Yeah, I've definitely been there. And, like, your identity gets all wrapped up with it, so it's, like, even worse than... Yeah, so I thought that they were all snobby, so... <laughs> Like, they started talking about, like, I don't even know what they were talking about. Like, I don't, I don't even know what he was, <laughs> what was his book about? I don't even know. Whose book? Oliver's book that he was working on. I don't know. Yeah, see? Nobody knows what I he was I thought about. he was working on, like, a project. It's not a book. But it could have been a book. It was a project. They said manuscript a lot, so I oh, assumed okay. it was a book or, like, a dissertation or something. I, I think I was just assuming that it was a dissertation. But... Okay. Either way, his project... I don't even know what it was about. Was it about mythology? They talked about mythology for a hot minute. Something Um, in the classics. Yeah. (laughs) Which, like, the classics is, like, another area where, like, my knowledge is just not there at all. So. Because I don't really care. (laughs) Same. Like, I don't have too much knowledge on that kind of thing. So. Yay. Sorry. (laughs) Um. Okay, what about, I don't, I wrote this down and I need you, like, I want to say it so that you know who said it because I don't know who said it, but I'm pretty sure it was Oliver. He said, I wish everyone was as sick as you. Do you remember that line? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the line that I hated the most, and it was so gross to me. I wrote that down. <laughs> Who said it? It was Oliver. Okay, and when he, did he say it? He said it um, after he found out that Elio had come in a peach. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he was so into it. He was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I want, <laughs> no. I want a guy that looks like a kid. To that, fuck a peach. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he wants. I can't. (sighs) Like, I think the peach thing bothered me even more because the mark of teenage sexuality in America is defined by the movie American Pie, where he fucks a pie. And, like, the whole point of that scene in the movie is that he's so, like, hard up that he would fuck anything. And he's, like, a 17-year-old. Like, that is the point of that. Like, to be like, you're a child and everything you do is about sex. So, like, to use that 
to be like, oh, I'm so into that as a grown man is so creepy. <laughs> like, I guess I didn't think of it that way. That's because you're younger than me. That movie was too old for me to see when I was young. It, like, came out when I was, like, 12 years old or something like that. Yeah, but even, like, the... Like, I, I was totally on the same track as you with, like, that was supposed to be, like, oh, he's, like, such a horny teenager. Like, he has to fuck a peach just because it's there. <laughs> yeah, like, he has to fuck a peach is the weirdest phrase. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna say it's better than, like, sticking your dick in, like, something that's, like, electrical. Because, like, a lot of guys do that. That's and so they go to the hospital. Why would like, they do that? They're like, hi, I'm 15. I stuck my dick in an amp. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Um, anyway... Aren't they afraid of, like, losing their dicks? Isn't that what guys are afraid of? No, they're just so horny, they don't even care if That's it comes too off. wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, on one of those emergency room shows, there was definitely a guy that, like, tried to fuck a camp barbecue or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But his, like, okay, he was, like, on drugs, and his girlfriend told him to do it. She thought it would be funny. To be fair. Okay. <laughs> well... <laughs> so basically what we're saying is that when teenagers are horny, they act like they're on drugs. Um, and then you can't really gain good consent from them. So maybe don't. Yeah, I just, okay, because this movie made me feel really uncomfortable with myself and my reactions, which I think is a good thing. Because like in that scene where they're out like in the field and Elio is really trying to like get Oliver like on board Mm -hmm. and he keeps like pushing him away and saying like no we can't do that and he says stuff like you're making this really difficult for me and stuff like that like that's what abusers say exactly and (laughs) I had that thought but I also had the thought of like oh he's really trying good for him like at least he's not really going for it he's not though I was like ew and he tells you that he wasn't trying later yeah, like that's true. when they're talking, he's like, "Why didn't we start this earlier?" He's like, "Oh, I tried to. Like the first day I was here, I put my hand on you and I gave you a massage, and you pushed me off, so I thought you weren't interested." So no, he wasn't trying. He was trying to manipulate him into thinking, "Oh, I'm such a good guy." Yeah, another moment like that is when Elio gets that nosebleed, and then he goes and like sits in that weird like little hallway thing, and then like Oliver comes in and is like, "Oh, here, let me massage your foot." totally casually and also mentioned that like my bubby used to do this for me it's so creepy so it's not sexual at all i promise yeah and then later on when they have sex he like jokingly asked him like oh if he's gonna get a nosebleed like he's using his youth against him yeah no i really didn't like like when they're first alone in the dark in his room and like elio's trying to like kiss on his neck and stuff and oliver like laughs at him and I'm like, that's really fucking rude. Like, th- again, the power thing. Yeah. Like, that's like, pretty much all it is. you're new to this. I'm going to laugh at you. Like, what a turnoff. Like, why? why <laughs> but, would... like, Elio responds exactly the way he wants him to respond. By trying harder. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah. I still love them. Like, I... No. <laughs> it's a problem. I'm not saying it's good. It's not... Yeah. It's something that I was looking at and reflecting upon. Um, and I think part of it is, like, a gender thing. Like, I think if this was a movie in which, like, an older man went off after a younger girl, I would, like, immediately be like, no, this is terrible. (laughs) But I have sexist, preconceived notions about men being less 
easily manipulated, which isn't true. When you're a kid, you're still a kid, so. Yeah. You can still be manipulated. I mean, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other thing I really didn't like was the way they portrayed Elio as, like, compulsive and obsessive. So, like, he would constantly say things two or three times out loud, and, like, he says, like, I don't remember what scene it is, but he, like, calls him a traitor, and he just says it to himself, like, multiple times. It's just, like, traitor, traitor, traitor. Like, mm-hmm. he's saying it out loud. Like, for nobody but himself. Or, like, oh, when... just, like, I wanted you to know, mm-hmm. I wanted you to know. Like, yeah. there's something, like, clearly there's something wrong with this kid's brain, and nobody else has, like, noticed this. They're just, like, he's a little bit eccentric. Like, <laughs> no, he's obsessive and compulsive. Yeah, but, like, whenever someone's a really good musician, they're just <laughs> automatically, they're, like, a little off, you know? Oh, God. And his parents kind of seem, like, as progressive as they are. They kind of seem like those people that would be like, yeah, that's my son, the musical genius. He's just weird like that. That's exactly what they did. They would they would use him, like, that annoyed oh, me. Oh, yeah, like, he was a little trained puppet. Like, you must come out and sit at dinner and play the piano for us. Entertain our guests. <laughs> that's exactly what happened, so. Chop, chop. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so tired. I have to go to bed. Which was a lie. He had to go fuck his older boyfriend. That's what he was really doing. However, that's sad that you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I can't, like, be an entertainer for you anymore. I need to sleep or something. (laughs) Like. Or something. Yeah. The obsession thing is too wild for me. And the fact that, like, Oliver loved it. Like, he got off on it. Like, he just enjoyed it. Like, he even says, like, I like the way you say things. I wish you didn't put yourself down. Like, I like the way you say things is, like, he's praising him for his obsessive compulsiveness, and then he's saying, I wish you didn't put yourself down, acting like, oh, I'm so good because I want better for you. I want you to be the best you can be. But really, it was just a manipulation. That's, I think he says that when they're in the little, like, cold stream on the side of the road. Yeah, and, like, even in, like, the first 20 minutes of the movie... Like, there's several times where Oliver puts his hand on Elio's shoulder, and it's a very, like, domineering, it's a domineering way of, like, communicating with body language. My other question about that was, do you think that he does that because he only knows how to be with women, and men are like that with women? Like, men put their hand on your shoulder, put they grab your neck, they grab the small of your back a lot, because they can control you, and you're usually, like, typically women are, like, smaller than men, and men have big hands. So men love to do that, to be like, I am the strong man. I grab. I don't, I, I don't know. Like, that's a possibility, I think. I don't know, I think maybe the shoulder thing is more, like, a way that you might communicate that you're into someone, but it's also not seen as really weird if you do that to someone in public. Like, men do that to each other to be like, hey, bro, like, (laughs) good volleyball game. You know, like, yeah. so I think he did that because it was a way that he could, like, touch him, basically, without anyone thinking it was really weird. I mean, I would have thought it was weird if a straight man came over and just massaged another straight man's shoulders, but also this was, like, the 80s and it was Italy, (laughs) so I don't know, maybe in Italy they're just more touchy there. I mean, clearly they, like, kiss each other every time they see each other, so. But kissing each other is not the same as touching each other. And... The weird, like, something that weirded me out a little bit is, like, whenever you see Elio, like, interacting with, like, his family members, like, his mom, like, when he hugs her, he, like, kisses her neck. 
It's weird. Oh, yeah. And I'm like... It, it was just weird in general, his, like, relationship with his parents physically. Like, the way he, like, curled up with her when he was 15 years old. Like, you can't cuddle with your mom when you're... Well, he's 17. So, like, you can't cuddle with your mom when you're 17 years old and have her read you a bedtime story. And then go fuck your 24-year-old boyfriend. <laughs> the bedtime story part was weird. Yeah, like, I can see having that kind of intimacy with a parent if you're, like... I don't know, crying over a breakup or something. Like, yeah. when he put when he put his head in his dad's lap at yeah, the end. Yeah, that was, that made sense. That made sense. But yeah, just to be like, okay, mommy, tell me a bedtime story. That like, was super weird. No wonder you're fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was meant to be like, his parents love him so much. But like, for me, it was like uncomfortable. And I don't know if that's because like, I'm American. Or yeah. Like, I, don't know. I guess they're totally different, which I knew that like, Americans are seen as prudes. Like, I knew that. Um, because, like, we don't talk about sex with our families, and we don't talk about it, like, some people don't talk about it with their friends, because mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, no, that's private. And in Europe, they're just like, everybody, I almost fucked my girlfriend last <laughs> night, have a nice day. Like, <laughs> and the maid's like, have a nice day, Elio, yeah. fuck her next time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe try harder next time. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was constantly reminded that they're like, oh, we're in Europe, we're... Everyone like, talks about sex. But is that true, though? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It was hard for me to decipher whether or not his parents were supposed to be remarkable in that way. Yeah. Like, was it supposed to be like, wow, his parents are so remarkably supportive and understanding? Or it was like, no, that's just like... I mean, it could be that that was like the juxtaposition of like not meeting all of his parents and all we get to hear about them is if my dad knew he would have put me in a facility... Yeah. That's wild and fucked up. Like, I guess it's also weird to me that they didn't talk more. I mean, that that was one of the criticisms I saw online, that, like, they had little to no conversations, so they had no intimacy. So it was never love. It was just infatuation. It was just sex. Mm -hmm. But they were acting like they were in love. But they never once had a real conversation and never knew anything about each other. Yeah, that's the thing, because I'm like, was that just... Were we supposed to, like, assume that they had had off-screen conversations or that, like, you know, when they're sitting in that field, like, were we supposed to assume that they had talked for an hour or something? Like, because it was never on screen, I agree with that assessment. Like, it cheapened it a little bit because you're like, okay, are you really in love with this person? Or do you not know a single thing about them and you're just really attracted to them? I mean, that's what it felt more like to me. Which pairs with the book that they were just... It was just about their dark obsession with each other. Yeah. And and to me, like, they were more obsessed with who the other person was. Like, Elio was like, I'm gonna be that really, like, big, hunky, athletic-looking, smart guy who travels the world and is carefree and cocky and arrogant. And because he was not. And vice versa, like, Oliver was like, I would love to be this, like, coddled child whose mm-hmm. parents just love him and dote on him and yeah. he's, he's also just naturally a musical genius and he's gifted and he's talented and he's intelligent and his parents have this like little art bubble for him mm-hmm. like he wanted that so bad which is why they were obsessed with each other I don't really think it was ever a love story which people are like it's a love story like no it's not like <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think the more I think about it, the more, like, it was really portrayed as infatuation. 
but I'd be interested to know if that was the intent. Like, I want to know if this director was really like, no, this is a fucking love story. Like, I don't know. I didn't find anything specific yeah. about that. So, um, but I don't think that makes it any less interesting as a story. I think that's interesting to follow something like that. I do, however, think it paints this disgusting picture for teenagers, which I know for sure have watched it. Like, they might be like, this is love. True love. Especially, we have to talk about this. It's unavoidable. Young gay men have this thing where they're really into older men. I mean, daddy issues. I know. But it's (laughs) like, and yes, of course, girls have this too. I'm just saying that it seems more prevalent in like teenage gay boys. It is more prevalent because of patriarchy. Yeah. So that's... Like, if you make all these men live up to these, like, ridiculous expectations of what it's like to be a man, and then it turns out you're gay, and then men see that as emasculation, and they're just like, oh, that that means you're not a man anymore. And so they're trying to live up to this expectation of being a man and being enough for their father. And that creates this whole, like, I need the approval of an older man because it reaffirms me in my manhood, which gay men still struggle with no matter how femme they are. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I agree that there was, like, this idealized portrayal of, oh, I'm gonna just be discovering my sexuality as a teenager, and this older, hot gay man is going to (laughs) fuck my brains out, and then I'll suddenly be, like, more secure in myself, and I'll have a reason to live. Yeah. And and he knows that. Oliver knows that. At some point, he says, do you know how glad I am that we had sex Elio. I'm like, ew, don't say that, you sick freak. Like, I can't. Like, you know how happy I am that we had sex? Like, who says that? It's so weird. It was weird. It was a (laughs) weird comment to make. And he said it, like, apropos of nothing. Like, they were talking about something else. He was just like, I just want you to know how happy I am. Like, and Elio's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. Well, I think maybe he said that because he... Oliver kept saying, like, oh, I don't want you to regret this, or I don't want you to, like, be mad at me. Which it was, like, a selfish, it was a selfish reason for him to be like, I don't want you to regret this, because then you'll be mad at me, and then you won't fuck me anymore. (laughs) But, like, I think that's why he said it. I think he was like, I'm so glad that we did this. (laughs) Aren't you? (laughs) I can't. Yeah. Because, you know, he's manipulative. Definitely. Oh, 100%. And I don't know that, I don't know that he's, like, malicious. Like, I don't Yeah, I don't think he's, like... This scary behind the bushes rapist. Yeah, I don't think he was like grooming him in the typical way that we think of grooming. Yeah, and I, I don't think I don't think he even. I think it was subconscious. Yeah, that's I think what he I'm was just say, like, yeah. I have to keep that all around me, so I therefore whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth. <laughs> like he just never stopped himself. And I mean, he is like a a hot white guy in academia, so of course he's yeah. gonna say whatever the fuck pops into his head. Yeah, he's gonna he's, do whatever he wants. He's been rewarded for that for many years. <laughs> I'm the least bitter. <laughs> when? <laughs> Where? <laughs> I don't have any receipts for that story. <laughs> I guess, like, let's just talk about the German fairy tale thing. Or it was a, was it a French fairy tale translated into German or something? I can't remember. Um, but the question that was asked in the fairy tale, which is supposed to like weave into the story of the movie, is: Is it better to speak or to die? <laughs> and like, what is what is that? Is that supposed to be like? Is it better to? I mean, I think the dad saying like, 
I've never had what you had, that kind of passion. Like... So therefore he's dead because he didn't speak. Yeah. Okay. And I, like, I think my question is, like, is that more about coming out as queer? Or is that about, like, a specific person and telling them that you love them? Or telling them that you, that you want to have sex? I mean, all of the above, I would say. Okay. Because I couldn't figure out if that was more, like, about queerness in general or specifically a queer relationship. That might also be about his religion. Like, because he had told Oliver several times, like, oh, my mom always wants me to wear my Star of David. My mom always wants me to do this and this. But I don't. And, like, I guess all of the above. Like, be who you are is kind of the moral of that story. Mm -hmm. And then the dad is like, be who you are even if there's extreme pain. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I think that's fair, though. You would. <laughs> what is that supposed Her to mean? Her masochist face just turned to look at me and said, what? Oh. <laughs> I see. I wasn't sure what you were, what about me you were attacking. I wasn't sure. Um, it wasn't so much an attack, so much it was a read. Like, okay. the library's open. I don't know what to tell you. I wasn't sure what book you were reading. No tea, no shade. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't sure what book you were reading there. Um... It is kind of wild, though, like, when you think about, like, how his dad behaved. Because his dad clearly knew. And, like, especially when he was showing Oliver the slides of, like, the the Roman statues and being like, it's like they're daring you to be attracted to them. (laughs) Like, ew, that's your son. Shut up. I don't know. It was weird. (laughs) Also, the fact that he was like, sure, take my son on vacation. Yeah, he did that on purpose so that he would have, like, the great love affair, I guess. Like, this dad really wants his kid to get boned. And I don't... <laughs> I don't really... Oh, man. Like, I guess in America, that's, like, unrelatable. Like, no one... No. Like, dads definitely want their son to have sex. I don't know about with men, though. That's a different story. I think that's part of what's, like, what? <laughs> Especially, like you said, like, if He's this He's so is, progressive, Tim. <laughs> if this is already the AIDS era, wouldn't you think he would be like, no... Supposedly, I read something on Wiki. I don't know how true that is. I didn't look at the source, but it said that there was a scene that they had created where the mother and the father were talking to Elio about AIDS, HIV, and mm-hmm. they cut it. Okay. So, I don't know how in depth it was. I don't know if it was like a cautionary tale. I don't know if he was like, this boring, really sad AIDS stuff is really gonna fuck up my romance. Like, <laughs> I was like, we can't put that in my movie. It's not my vision. Like, I don't know what happened. Kind of sounds like that's what happened, though. I have to say, I don't know this director, but I did get the feeling from the movie that he was a douchebag. Like, I... <laughs> like, I don't know what gave me that impression. I think it might have been the little Amazon blurbs that were coming up about, like, why they did a scene a certain way. Um, I also feel like he was a douchebag because... He moved the location of the film to his own hometown. Like, okay, somebody is just making a movie about their own daddy fantasy. Oh, he's a Leo. Oh. That should tell you enough. Hmm. He did the protagonist, I Am Love, A Bigger Splash, and Suspiria, which everyone is watching right now and loving, and I don't know anything about it, TBH, so. Me neither. Um, I just know that, like, it's a horror film that is, like, supernatural and, like, Dakota Johnson is in it. Okay, so what do you rate Call Me By Your Name? 
Like on a scale of what did we do one to ten last time? Or one yeah, to five? yeah. No, we've been doing one to ten. Okay, one time. to ten. Every time you ask me what the scale is, I'm like, we've been doing one to ten. This I don't remember. Time. Okay. <laughs> so you're gonna hate me so much. Are you gonna give it like a ten? No, I give it a nine. That's wild. I know. <laughs> um, I give it a seven point five. Okay. Okay. So for the first time. In the entire history of the podcast, I think. Maybe in the history of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> My rating was higher than Sarah's. And it's much higher. Like, that's too high a rating. And again, like, who knows what my reaction to this movie would have been if I was in a different place in my life right now. Like, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, maybe if I... I don't know. Like, something about maybe the way I watched it. Like, maybe I would have given it a higher rating if I had seen it differently. Yeah. Like, I think I was just, like, in a very vulnerable place, and then it just, like, got me, you know? And maybe it wouldn't have gotten me if I was, like, feeling a little more solid, you know? Mm, yeah, I guess. Like, I, I see what you're saying, but I don't I don't know. We'll never yeah. know. We'll never know. History's mystery. We'll zone. never know, because I'll never be in a solid place. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> you're like, we'll never know, because that sounds very unlikely. <laughs> Low-key kind of does. Oh, my God. She's back on her bullshit, y'all. This this is exactly what happened the last time we recorded here. (laughs) I guess it's just the vibes in this room. Hey, I have an excellent room. I burn sage in here. Okay. (laughs) You brought your bad vibes in here. (laughs) Can't believe you called me out like this. I've never been known for my bad vibes. (laughs) (laughs) If y'all can see her face right now, I can't. I really want to share this as bad vibes only. Like... Because when people wear those shirts, I want to kill them. <laughs> I want to hit them with my car. I can't. Like, it... You should just make one. Ugh. Like, it drives me insane. Like, I can't stand it. I like, can't. even if they're a perfectly, like, pleasant person when I'm interacting with them, like, I just can't unsee that shirt. And then if I, like, meet them another time, even if they're wearing a different shirt, all I'll see is, like, in my mind's eye, good vibes only. I'm like, that is just such an unrealistic way to live your life. The neurotypicals are at it again. I mean, true. <laughs> it always has, like, a little sun on it. I don't, like, it's, I don't know. Like, I get what they're saying, and I, I understand. But at the same time, I'm like, I wish it was just that easy. To be like, only good vibes from you. I'm going to cut all of you out of my life. Because you're so toxic with your realism. And, you know, that just makes me a happier person. My depression is cured. My crops are watered. Like, it's not. Like, I can't. It's just too much for me. It's too, it's too dense, I think. Like, you're just this fucking moron if you walk around like that. Yeah, because especially, like, this whole, like, cutting toxic people out of your life thing. If you really, truly did that, there would be no one left in your life. Because everyone is toxic in their own ways, yourself included. Like, you have to... That's part of having a realistic view is, like, realizing there's going to be people that do shitty things. Not to say, like, oh, you can never cut someone out of your life. Like, you have to know when to draw the line for yourself. But you can't just be like, oh, one time they said that they were upset. So I guess they're just, like, bad vibes. (laughs) I can't have that in my life. Can't have that kind of negativity around me. Yeah, because then you're left alone and then you are the bad bad vibes. Like, I think that's what these people are kind of, like, that whole, like, self-love movement thing that's going on right now. Like, people are kind of realizing, like, if you're only left with yourself and you still have bad vibes, you are the bad vibes. Yeah. Like, you can't just talk about, like, 
all this self-care on the internet and it's just going to cure you. You actually have to go to therapy and, like, work on yourself. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I mean, it's really scary. And, like, I, I think that people need to be more honest and vulnerable because I think part of it is, like, not wanting to deal with the pain and frustration of realizing that you have perpetuated toxic behavior or you are bad vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been a hot take with Sarah and Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> so back- All that to tell you that we're just trying to, like, get off this podcast. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, <laughs> so here on this podcast, we are bad vibes only. Yeah. In case you didn't realize. Um, <laughs> although apparently I was good vibes with this movie. Yeah, you were good vibes with the movie. I was bad vibes this time. And I am, like, it's funny because when we do this podcast, I'm, like, so positive about every movie we watch. In real life, I'm super hypercritical. I'm, like, a total asshole. Nobody likes me because I have, like, negative opinions about everything. I'm a big complainer. Like, three people like you. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Y'all put up with me complaining about every little thing I've ever heard of in my life. I'm bad vibes only. (laughs) Is that why you love me? (laughs) I Maybe. Maybe it is. Um, (laughs) Sorry, that was my alarm. (laughs) Every I forgot to snooze that. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's all we have for y'all today. I hope you enjoyed um, the role reversal today. Yeah, like, we really gave you some variety. Like, <laughs> you know. We went from salt and pepper to pepper to salt. So right. I just want you to know. <laughs> yeah. So we really switched it up. We spiced things up. But don't get we, used to it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure the next movie we watch, I'll be like, it was okay. And I'll be like, it was the best thing I ever saw. I cried. <laughs> Yeah, we have some we have some stuff lined up that we're gonna watch. Oh yeah, we have a request from a fan. So. Oh yeah, shout out to our one fan. Our one fan, not our Sam. number one fan, our one and only fan. Samuel, if you're listening, we love you, and we're gonna do um, Bogey is a bastard pretty soon. So look out for that, but not too soon because we're lazy and also super busy. Like at the same time, we'll see when we get it out. Maybe next month. We'll we'll see. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> Well, we might see you all next month. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just never know when we're going to, like, pop out of the bushes and be like, here's a new podcast. We're always, <laughs> yeah, because we don't have a schedule. <laughs> we're keeping you sharp, keeping you on your toes. One For day, all of our two fans. One day you'll open your phone and you'll be like, what? They posted a new episode. <laughs> and we'll be like, surprise, we told you. Yeah. We told you to look we out. We told you that the queers are always watching. That's true. <laughs> and that's it. Okay, bye. Bye.